Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. And I'm Danny Roth. And today we are doing the biggest songs of the 60s for song versus song. We are doing The Monkees, I'm a Believer, versus Sonny and Cher's I Got You, Babe. Rise and shine, campers, and don't forget your booties because it's cold out there. It's cold, it's cold out cold there, there every day. day. What is this, Miami Beach? Not hardly. Uh, gosh. Um, so here we are talking 60s songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have, gosh, what are the questions that I want to ask? Number one, did you watch the monkeys as a kid? Did you, did they, because they aired in reruns when I was growing up, and I don't know if you watched it at all as a show. I think I, think I was aware of the monkeys as a TV show, like it would come on Nick at Night. Is Nick at Night even still a thing? I don't know. I remember, so I think it, I think it aired early during the day. I think the monkeys was, for me... As the sick kid that was homeschooled a lot because of all the mystery illness, it mm-hmm. was one of those things like, you know, you'd get the the stuff that was definitely for kids, your your Mr. Rogers and your your Sesame Street, and then you'd get the stuff that was less so later stage Doctor Who, Dark Shadows, and then if you turned on Nickelodeon, um, there were like weird times during the day when the monkeys would play because they were, I mean, like... To say that they're not for children is apocryphal. Like it, there's something <laughs> extremely childish, and you know they are they are for children in the way that I suppose the Beatles movie Help is for children. It's like, did you watch Help when you were? Did you watch that when you were a kid? No, not I didn't watch the Beatles movies till I was an adult. Oh, okay, they're very childish. Espe- Help, even though they were smoking weed all the time, there's something weirdly silly about a man who's running away because he can't get a ring off his finger is very goofy and the a- adult stuff goes right over your head and i think that the all of the monkeys tv show as far as i remember had that sort of like madcap goofy all ages vibe you know it's weird about the monkeys the tv show and uh i guess also true of uh, hard days night and help is that they're basically drug movies with no drugs in them they're like goofy stoner comedies. Yeah, but I mean, what is smoking a bunch of weed but trying to get back to the <laughs> silly goofiness of being a child? Yeah, I think that's that may be why both of these songs have endured so long. They're basically kids' songs. Ooh, not sure I agree. A good number of people who are familiar with I'm a Believer were introduced to it as children. Yes, absolutely. Certainly, um, I, I mean, we'll... We will arrive at that yeah. specific Inevitably. thing that you were talking about, most certainly uh, sometime in the next 45 minutes. Okay, <laughs> so as we do at the beginning of every episode, mm-hmm. we've, got to, we've, got to, we've got to take a stand. All right. Which of these two songs, just off the cuff, your first instinct is the better song? Let me say, when I picked this uh, matchup, I didn't think about it very hard. It was one I had in my back pocket for a long time, and I was like, you know, I'm just going to, you know, these are two songs of pretty high stature from the same time period, same genre. So I was like, yeah, that's, this makes perfect sense to me. And I wasn't thinking about it, but I needed to put something up for the next next week. If I had gone on which one is better or more liked, uh, I would not have made this matchup, because it's obviously I'm a believer. Like, I'm a believer is like, obviously head and shoulders above I Got You, Babe. Oh man, you're looking at me. You got that look in your face. It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't happen very often. Oh wow. I got you, babe, is an all fucking timer. Oh wow. To me, <laughs> I'm a believer. I'm not tr- I'm not trying to come for that song. Mm-hmm. I've got I've learned my lesson as I do occasionally that people don't like when I don't like things. I'm not <laughs> good at my critique of songs is if you like this, you're bad. Um, so I try to focus on the things that I like. I think both of these songs are good, but for me, partly being aware of the fact that I got you, babe, got blown out of the water in the pole. Spoilers, everyone. <laughs> Spoilers, everybody, for a thing you probably figured was going to happen. But yeah, I don't know. I think I was partly predisposed and then went on the the Mr. Toad's wild ride of... <laughs> Of going through both of these songs and all the different people that have performed them and some of the backstory of them. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I just fell in love with uh, with I Got You, Babe, in a way that I don't know if I ever had before. I like them both. I will say, I, like, 
I don't remember ever having negative feelings. Do you? Did you ever like dislike either of these songs? I'd say no. I've never um, looked, listened to "I Got You, Babe" and felt the need to destroy my clock. But... See, there you go. <laughs> That's a reference to a movie. Yeah. So, all right, you picked the monkeys over Sunny and Cher. Mm-hmm. What was the reason? What was the What was the thing that drove you? Well. Let me say, um, welcome back to the show, Cher. You are our uh, first... Oh, that's uh, right. <laughs> this is the first repeat artist. I was thinking this the other day and then forgot. Actually, Lil Wayne might be our... Because he was on Back That Ass Up and we did Lollipop. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. But like, he's not in the title of uh, Back That Ass Up. Cher is in the... T- Cher, as, Cher is the, the artist of both of these. Yeah. Well, she's got to share the spotlight. Which she's she going to share it, the does spot. she? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but yeah, welcome back. And uh, honestly, I'm not, I've just never been a big Cher fan. And uh, I just did a, one of my YouTube videos on Cher, and I, I, got, I saw some comments like, you don't get it, Todd, do you? You don't. <laughs> that is, so here's the thing. This is, what was it? We've had this conversation before. We've had this conversation before. I think Lindsay was the one that brokered the idea that on the Kinsey scale, you are whatever is the number that is 100,000 billion percent straight. Yeah. You can't get Cher if you're not gay. Like, it's a, it's a this is, Cher is for the queers. Like, that is, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, the, 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 for, for the people that fall somewhere, any, literally anywhere on the spectrum, as soon as you're like either one click above, you immediately are like, I get share. So of course you would not. It's just not, it's not in, it's literally not in your DNA. Yeah. My, my, my favorite share song is uh, Turn Back Time, which we covered previously on the show. And I, th- I feel like that's her straightest song, I guess. I get. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, she's definitely trying to appeal to men. I guess I don't even know that. Like, as soon as the words come out of my mouth, I'm not even sure if that's accurate. But share, <laughs> yeah, share is just she's she is she is she's she's for the gays. Share is share, and uh, and I love share very much um, for reasons that I think if you've been listening to the podcast for over a year now, you know. But uh, weirdly, this song. There's a many layers to why I like it, but when I was trying to pinpoint the reason why it wins out for me in the end is kind of the straightest reason it can. Because they're in love? Like, <laughs> they're a heterosexual couple in love? That's adorable. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Todd! You don't know. Uh, no, yep. here's all right. I don't know why I went all in on that. but Tone um, it down. So here we have Will. Yeah. <sighs> okay, so... The reason, although actually I kind of need to bring the energy, that particular energy in order to be able to uh, to sell this correctly, the reason why I Got You Babe is better than I'm a Believer is because the best version of I've Got You Babe at least involves one of the two original artists. Finish this thought before I jump in. Okay. To put it in a thing that's not even a word... Dun 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 dun. Yeah. The okay. the share and Beavis and Butthead version of the song from Beavis and Butthead Do America is perhaps one of the greatest moments in pop culture history. You may f- make the face that you are making. It is so fucking funny. It's a little mean, <laughs> and we'll t- we'll talk about poor Sonny Bono. Whom I, you know, I wasn't married to him, so I don't have any reason to feel any disdain. But it is mean to him. <laughs> but it's still hilarious. I, that, I don't, okay. the music video, the movie that it corresponds to, one of the greatest films ever made. That's funny you're saying that the Beavis and Butthead version of I Got You, Babe, is the best version. Because right before I came here, you tweeted out that the best version of I'm a Believer. Is the Shrek version. Version. By that, you mean the Eddie Murphy version or the Smash Mouth version? I mean, I meant the Smash Mouth version. Yeah. That's fair. And, like, boy, with the, the Beavis and Butthead versus Shrek, that's a real Gen X versus Millennial divide right there. I, well, you know what's weird about it is that Beavis and Butthead are... I was thinking about this exact thing. Yeah. Is that they have a very Gen X vibe to them, but are they supposed to be Gen X? Because they're right on the bubble. They're what we call Xennials. Xennials? 
or whatever. I don't. Is that I really? I Xennials. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll weigh in on this. Comment on which is. <laughs> I've always said Xennials, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I always thought they kind of found their way right in the middle. But the time that they came out, they would have appealed to both audiences. The reason I brought up these two, I had like a, a thought a while back that we used to call like the history of popular music rock history. Mm-hmm. Now we call it pop history. Sure. As rock has be declined. And if we had done that the entire time, then two acts that would have been in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame a long time ago were the Monkees and Sonny and Cher. Because, you know, these are uh, two of the greatest pop acts of that decade, and boomers love the 60s so much. But they're not, because they're fake. Oh, I mean, fake. That's that's the, the, I that's mean, the their, Monkees were the prefab... The prefab four, yes. Right, so they were literally designed, you know, I mean, like, that was that was it. The monkeys, I mean, I don't know why I was yeah. saying this, like, there's anybody on Earth that doesn't know, but the whole point of the monkeys was supposed to be rip-off Beatles, like, that was their thing. Right, they were, they were the Hannah Montana of the 60s. They weren't, it, it was nice that they sold records, but they weren't there. T- but they're, good. listen, wait a minute, hold on. Yeah. So I'm a believer is fine, however... They're great monkey songs, in my opinion. Um, you know, these are I'm repeating the received boomer wisdom I have about, you know, the monkeys being garbage and fake and phony and all that. And that's to me in twenty twenty, this seems like an insane thing to care about. Yeah. Why would you? It's it's like I remember a time when we used to care if people lip synced at a concert. <laughs> we don't give a shit about that anymore. We all understand that sometimes there's a little bit of lip syncing involved if you have to fucking dance like a maniac. Yeah, on in that regard, the monkeys are super real compared to the artists today. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's in the same way that we understand that you can be a part of the World Wrestling Federation, <laughs> and though the, the results are predetermined, there is a degree of professionalism and sportsmanship required to be able to function and make a thing look the way it's supposed to look. And I think if you understand that, then you have to be able to understand that the monkeys are legit. Yeah, and the, the monkeys... Made a ton of good music. In fact, even though they were more of a t- intended to be more of a TV show than a real band, they their band sold a lot more records than they got eyeballs on TV. Yeah, and uh, and I'll say this. Um, so when I asked if you if you thought I'm a believer is like like that's if you go on Spotify, that's like the most listened to song that they've got. Mm-hmm. But last train to Clarksville, that song fucking owns. I'm just gonna say yeah. it right now. I mean, like. I actually believed for a while that was written by Paul McCartney because oh, wow. it really sounds like a McCartney song. I oh yeah, I hear it, especially lyrically. Yeah, but all of it. It's it, and in fact, you know, we talked about help before, and it sounds very from that era of the Beatles. You know, right before they get to Rubber Soul and Revolver, that in between time, but right when they're after, starting to after become... they're doing the with the Beatles, lots of cover stuff, mm-hmm. but before they're getting to like Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane. Yeah, right when they're starting to get artsy, but they're still a pop band. Right. So, you know, to me, Last Cl- last Train to Clarksville is right in that spot. And all those songs are, you know, are a little bit like that. And I'm a believer the backstory, such as it is, is not complex. It was written by Neil Diamond. Yeah, no, it's just Neil Diamond uh, was selling some songs. He's a songwriter, just like any other songwriter in, like, the big faceless corporation buildings where they make where they make uh, pop songs. Yeah, and I think somewhere in the mid-naughties, somebody asked him, hey, were you mad that the Monkees version did so much better than your own version? He was like, no, exactly like you said. He saw himself as a songwriter more so than a performer, and to get his work out there in a way that was going to be really visible was great. Yeah. So I think that's all he cared about. And I I have to say, like, you you read something like that, and you go, I respect you, Neil Diamond. (laughs) Not a sentence I thought I would say, but... I really like I get you like that makes a lot of sense to me. That's a that's like anti-ego like I yeah. don't care. It doesn't have to be my face. I think I wrote something good and as long as people listen to it, that's enough for me is actually that's I don't know. That made me go like Neil Diamond. You, I guess. Are you cool? <laughs> Did I is Neil Diamond cool? On the boats and on the planes. No, he's not. Thank you for taking thank you for putting it in perspective. Um, but no, I mean, that's, that makes a lot of sense to me, but yeah, so it was a Neil Diamond song and, um, you know, yeah, Neil, his, Neil Diamond is in the rock and roll hall of fame. He is. Gosh, I was, I just watched a, um, completely off the rails, but 
a documentary about the Go-Go's and the Go-Go's are not in the Rock and I've Roll Hall of Fame. I've heard such good things about that documentary. Oh, I need to great. get to it. Really yeah. fucking great. Highly recommend. Uh, maybe we'll do, we should, we should like ham fist our way into oh, including that, that into into the next uh bonus episode for people to vote on but <laughs> but yeah i mean um what makes it or doesn't make it into the rock and roll hall of fame doesn't really have any bearing on what is or is not good music but i will say i do think that it's a good song i think neil diamond does have a really great ear for what's good pop music mm-hmm. um however it's so interesting to look at the flip because Sonny Bono was a producer, mm-hmm. fell in love with Cher. Yeah, and I think she was like 17 or something like that. Something, I, and she, he was like 24 or something. You know, it's weird. I mean, Sonny Bono's not alive anymore, so I can't like, I would ask him, I'd be like, Sonny Bono, are you gay? That's like the reason to fall in love with Cher. Because <laughs> uh, like, I also, as, as, a, as a dyed-in-the-wool, a very, very open uh, querio bisexual, like, Mm-hmm. I, if Cher was like, do you want to date today? <laughs> I would be like, yes, <laughs> my God, yes. Um, but yeah, like it's kind of cool that the story is they met, he was a producer, they fell in love, and while she was asleep, he wrote the song, and she was like, whatever, fine. <laughs> and then he put her in her key, and she loved it, which is such a, that's a very Cher thing. She didn't like the song until it was personally made exactly (laughs) like he wrote a song that was about how much he loved her and she was like yeah yeah whatever and he was like okay now i've made it so that when you sing it it will sound good and she was like now it's now all right here we go you know it was funny i was talking about the the rock and roll bona fides of either and like it's uh you know the monkeys were eventually a real rock band they had mike nesmith who was like a honest to god artist but like the story of I'm a believer is just straight up bubblegum pop. It is well Michael, versus I got Mickey, you. Mickey Dolenz was the one that sang it, right? Yeah, and, uh, and no, Nesmith hated it. He was yeah, like, hated this it. isn't. Yes, and like went on record and said like I'm an artist and I know what a good song is and the song sucks. <laughs> yeah, and poor Dolenz when apparently when they were singing it live and stuff like was really struggling to hit the notes or like hear the notes and would yeah. like punch himself in the leg <laughs> the whole time until he bruised real bad. Well, yeah, traumatized by I mean, I'm a believer. I, you I know, believe. That's because, I believe he should go to therapy. <laughs> well, that's because he was a you know he's a teen idol. He's you know screaming girls. That, oh yeah, that, for sure. Yeah, that's yeah, why yeah. he couldn't hear himself. That's yeah, that's why the Beatles gave up on on doing live performances. Period. Yeah. So like, but like my point was like, if you were to guess, I would say that's the rock and roll song. But the story is very bubblegum. Versus Sonny Bono, he goes into like. You talk to him about it, he's like, this is my art, man. This is my deepest thoughts and feelings. And I hear, like, this is just the silliest pop song I've ever heard. No, it's, I mean, so here's how I know that's not true. Here's how I know you're wrong. Okay. When I sat down and said, uh, man, who, whomst has covered this song? I got you, babe. Yeah. Go on. Um... The thing that really jumped at me was that, like, yes, when you listen to it and when you listen to the the goofy uh, Beavis and Butthead version, like, it's kind of playing off of the schmaltz. Yeah. However, Mark Kozelik, the lead singer of the Red House Painter. The Red House Painter. Okay, wow. That's even Did a solo cover of this song. Mm Mm-hmm. And I can't think of anybody who's more droningly, pathetically genuine. Like Red House, I listen. I like Red House painters. I'm like you know, you and I are very opposites in these ways. That like you hate guy with acoustic guitar singing pathetically about bad feelings. I've and feeling blue. I, I'm not super into the Red House painters, but I've, I know of them, and I've, I think I would like them. Okay. So Red House painters are like very glum. Very like, yeah. you know, like I don't I wouldn't say what they write are dirges by any by any means, but like you could but the you songs are very long. Like they yeah. you know, like Have You Forgotten is like really great, but it's like six and a half minutes long or whatever it is. And so, you know, for me, I liked them because there's no it's not overproduced. It's just very basic 
like glum, sad bastard music for uh, for Gen X and maybe a little bit for millennials and stuff. So if that guy, if, if Mark Selleck is going to do a cover of I Got You, Babe, mm-hmm. you got to reevaluate everything. <laughs> that really changes. That really, once I realized that he did it and sat down and listened to his cover of it, I thought, okay, now I've got a whole different outlook on this song because he kind of pulled into what you were talking about, the the Sonny Bono, he really fucking meant it mm-hmm. aspect, that he was really serious that this is a song about how no matter what happens between the two of them, they'll work it out. They'll, they'll <laughs> somehow find a way to survive so long as they have got each other. Yeah, And so, I don't know. It's well, corny, it's schmaltzy, but... I believe that Sonny Bono at the time believed it. Like you, I also went cruising through the cover versions on Spotify. And I Got You, Babe is a Phil Spector joint. And he made some of the best pop songs of the 60s. Yes, a complicated man to talk about, but sure. Yes, before he literally killed a girl. But that okay. at the time, he was still a great producer. Also... Known was, for the wall of sound, uh, yeah. all that stuff. Sonny Bono knew was a producer in, in his stable, I guess, or something like that, I think. And it sounds like a Phil Spector joint, and yet it's really not one of my favorites of his productions. It's, I don't know, it's too much in that cutesy organ grindery organ in the middle of it. Do, 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 da, da, da. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's that's fine. Yeah. I mean... It it's just doesn't do anything. I was cruising through the covers on Spotify, and the ones I really liked were the really stripped down versions. Yeah. Which there are a number of them on. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so there's a very, I mean, we might as well just just, just to collect um, yeah. some people who will go, oh, I'll listen because you mentioned it. Um, the fact that there's a, this, there's a version from the show This Is Us, the very, very famous <laughs> Milo Ventimiglia uh, NBC show. Yes. Uh, there is a super stripped down version of it on that. I prefer it more. And honestly, I kind of feel like Sonny Bono considered himself kind of a Bob Dylan with his... With his with, what? His nasally voice? That's yes. all he's got. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, he said, I Got You, Babe, is like a direct flip of uh, It Ain't Me, Babe by Bob Dylan. Oh. Oh, man. But it ain't me, babe. No, no, no. Babe, I got you, babe. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's kind of the flip of Don't Think Twice. I don't think Don't Think Twice has been you written just yet. You're just gonna waste my yeah. precious time. Don't think <laughs> twice. I, by the way, yeah. I don't know why I'm making fun of Bob Dylan. That's a fucking legendary song. Don't Think Twice is one of my favorite Bob Dylan songs and one of my favorite songs of that decade period. Yeah, I, I think I'd go with that too. Favorite of his, favorite yeah, of the decade. Really, really fucking good. Anyway, so I, you know what it is? It's just that like, the the um, the emotion behind that song versus I got you babe which is like you couldn't you know and the you know Sonny and Cher actually I guess both the monkeys and Sonny and Cher were kind of like fake hippies I yeah I mean yes I mean you know Sonny Bono but, but Sonny Bono was, thought was of himself like a, Sonny Bono thought of himself as like kind of a real hippie and yeah like, yeah I guess that's true like I mean like you know he wrote the whole thing about having long hair and stuff and his wife liking him despite having Long hair, kind of a funny sentiment during the end times when nobody can go to the barber. (laughs) The 60s were a very strange time. And if you had long hair as a man, you'd get, uh, he's like, is that a man or a woman? Hardy, har, har. From the, and the the boomers would say, okay, boomer, or whatever the equivalent was in that time. Okay, greatest generation. (laughs) I don't think they were called that yet. Who knows what? Yeah, what a weird, what a weird thing. Yeah. Anyway, gosh, if there's anything I'm glad has ended, <laughs> if there's one thing that the human race can say, well, we set rights to that bullshit before the end, is to say that we we stopped giving a shit about men having long <laughs> hair. What a dumb thing. It was an uptight time. It, I mean, like, we live in an uptight time now, but even then we... Know, yeah. Anyway, look, so uh, we're getting off track. Let's just... I need to... We We have to talk about... The the to me there is a bit of a a Beavis and Butthead do America versus Shrek thing happening here. Yeah, we've got to talk about the giant green ogre in the room. Yeah. Um. So Shrek. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you a real question now. Mm-hmm. 
This is not really about, I mean, I, it is about the song in the sense that the song exists within the, the compendium of, of the, the universe, the franchise, the oeuvre that is Shrek. But does Shrek hold up? Do you still have good feelings about Shrek? I, I am a little younger than you. I think we are just like barely the two of us straddling that line between Xer and, and uh, Millennial or something like that. I am a, I, depending on how we view it, mm-hmm. I am an Xennial or a Xennial. I was born in yeah. 1980, which depending on where you put the spectrum, either I am Gen X or a Millennial. Because some people say it starts in 1980 and some people say uh, 82. So for yeah. the, the Millennial. I, I, you know, it came out when I was in high school. I watched it at the time. I liked it. I rewatched it recently. I think it holds up. There's still a little bit of, there's still too much dreamworksiness of it. Really, when we say dreamworksiness, we mean Shrekness to it. But well, I mean, oh, for there's just a whole era of time where, um, where DreamWorks made the also rounds yeah. of Shrek. It was just like a series of significantly less good B-sides to keep it in a musical uh, vernacular. Yeah, and I, I watched Shrek 2 recently also. I had the Shrek 2 soundtrack at the time because I really liked that Counting Crows song. I did. I played it for my girlfriend. But there was some good stuff on there. It was like Imogen Heap and uh, Tom Waits and oh, yeah. Cave. But yeah, that is all good shit. I'd say it holds up, but it's... Let's say like even if Smash Mouth was not... In that movie, it's a very Smash Mouth kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> but like top tier Smash Mouth. Like yeah. as good as Smash Mouth was ever going to get. The absolute Smash pinnacle yeah. mouth. If I if I can confess something here, I've never seen Beavis and Butthead do America. Or in fact, I've never seen Beavis and Butthead, period. What? I've seen, I've seen like tiny little 30 second clips, but I, I was not allowed to watch Beavis and Butthead. This is astonishing to me, because like Beavis and Butthead is absolutely one of my favorite things. Of I all mean, time. yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy because Beavis and Butthead did in the '90s basically what I do now. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, yes, I remember. So one of my earliest memories of, of them watching um, the music video for Radiohead's "Creep," uh-huh. and it being very quiet at the beginning, and them going, uh, "Is this what you call?" college rock <laughs> and just laughing so hard you know and then yeah. like that whole back and forth because like it'll be quiet and then once they get to the the start where they're like God, I'm a creep. like you know yeah. like, and it's very much like the reason i'm bringing up is because there's an analog between the way they react to that song and the way they react to the the version of i got you babe that's for uh, beavis and butter do america where as soon as it gets starts getting heavy they start going like, yes! <laughs> like, it's yeah. just, it's really good. It's just their enthusiasm. It's, you know, it's like when people get sick of me not liking things. <laughs> it's such a relief. It's such a, it's such a huge, it's like you let the fucking floodgates open when a person that doesn't like things suddenly loves a thing, even though it's unabashedly stupid. Yeah. I did listen to the the Beavis and Butthead, I Got You, Babe, and uh, it kind of goes up there with the use of it in Groundhog Day, which is, the point of this song is that this song isn't good. Well, I don't know that I agree. I actually, my, so, all right. So people who don't know, the whole point of Beavis and Butthead, the show, was these kids don't want to go to school, so they just watch stupid music videos and make fun of them. And the movie, Beavis and Butthead to America, is what happens if their TV gets stolen and they have to go find it. And the answer is Butthead hits on Hillary Clinton. They go to Niagara Falls and also VR share. It's weird and it's great. And Bruce Willis is in it. And there's, it's a, it truly of all, I love Beavis and Butthead all the way through, but Beavis and Butthead do America is one of the, weirdest, best, dadaist, I don't even know what moments in pop history. It's a, it's a, you have to watch it. We may have yeah. to do a bonus episode about Beavis and Butthead do America. It's so weird. Well, that, that's for the voters to decide. Yes. Let the, <laughs> I, I hope that the voters will consider this. It's a really weird, fun movie, but 
They've it, got a sense of humor about it. Like, so basically, if I was to give it an analog for people from a couple of years later and not long enough, you, if you can think of another one, let me know. Yeah. But it makes me think of when Jack Black and Kyle Gass go into the the booth to mm-hmm. do tribute. It's like that. Because their whole I, bit is like they're trying to pick a virtual woman, and it's it's like it's like Kyle Gass and Jack Black tribute meets weird science. Okay, the, the Beavis and Butthead cover is a joke. Groundhog Day, they use it as a joke about what an annoying song it is. There is one straight cover of "I Got You, Babe" that was actually really popular. It went to number one in the UK. It was by uh, UB40 with Chrissy Hind as Cher. This is poison. This is brain poison. It is awful. It's it is ter- it's true. terrible. Like I don't. As the person that picked this song over mm-hmm. the song that's going to win this 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 bout, um, Chrissy Hind, who has a, I mean, it makes perfect sense on paper, right? To have Chrissy mm-hmm. Hind do share, yeah, you couldn't perfect, you couldn't top it, yes, absolutely perfect. UB forty, what the fuck? Uh, unfortunately, I guess it was a different time, but like. I think we can go on record that Song vs. Song as a podcast has a strong fuck UB40 energy. UB40 are awful, and I do not say this lightly. I think, what's his name? Ali Campbell. Ali Campbell, you are no Sonny Bono. Like, yeah, I just feel no, like, I never, it's not, this is a real absence of good than presence of bad for me. Oh, it's a very presence of bad for me. Oh, uh, really? It's I, so interesting because I don't, like, I don't listen to them and go, wow, bad. I think, like, there's just, it's a vo- it's like staring into the void. I don't want to do that. That's terrible. Yeah, so let me say this. It is very easy to do a bad cover of I Got You, Babe. I've heard people, you know, doing it at their wedding. I was like, ugh, that sounds horrible. I've never heard a bad version of I'm a Believer. I think the Smash Mouth version is very good. I love I th- it. Best, I mean, as I, as I said, best version. There was a, someone linked me to a, and I sent it to you, this uh, synth pop version from a couple of years ago by someone called Hot Dad. And it was really good, and I liked it too. And I think I'm a Believer is just a straight-up, really well-constructed pop song. And Mike Nesmith, you're no Neil Diamond. Neil Diamond knows how to make pop songs. Let me say this. All right. There is a moment, and um, we can go to three questions after this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you may recall that uh, late-night television used to be very different. Sure did. Uh, and one of the more interesting figures of late-night television was Dave, have you got any gum, Letterman? I know where you're going with this. All right, go on. And Dave had a real gift for getting people to do things they didn't want to do, for better (laughs) or worse. Yeah. You know, we don't really do things like that anymore. But Dave would really press people, I think. Dave, a guy who ironically, you know, if you did things he didn't like, you'd never be allowed back on the show. Mm -hmm. A guy who was like a real control freak. And he would, would, you know, I'm not trying to say something apocryphal or cruel. Like, he'd be the first to admit that's true. But he would kind of press people to do things that maybe they didn't want to do. And Sonny Bono and and Cher were on the show at Separate, a time of, separately. Like they just got booked at the same time. It was like that's funny. Yeah, but they don't, as evidenced by the Beavis and Butthead version, wherein Cher openly mocks Sonny mm-hmm. bef- before he died. Yeah, you know, like obviously well, I only I a couple years before yeah, he died. Yeah, too. like she's not gonna, you know, I. He, you don't expect like Cher's not a piece of shit. She's not going to go on TV and talk shit about him now. But yeah. you know they had had some rough times. Uh-huh. They did not have a, a great breakup. Uh, but yes, they were on Letterman at the same time, and Letterman was like, "Hee hee, Paul, hey Paul, you yeah. know what? I got an idea here. Woo, um, play with my pen over here. I got a big gap in my teeth." So. He brought them both on at the same time. Dead on perfect Letterman impression. It is. Wow. <laughs> Listen, I really know what I'm doing here. That's why they pay me the big bucks. So um, Dave basically set it up so that Paul Schaefer and, and the band were ready to go to do I Got You, Babe, and mm-hmm. forced the two of them to do it. And it's unbelievably breathtakingly awkward Oh yeah, Cher was like has said later is like I did not want to do that with my ex with my ex goddamn husband. It was sensationally great. <laughs> I love it. If you go it's on YouTube. It's there to be seen. And you can tell that they like Cher does not want to do it. 
Sonny is very game. <laughs> oh, yeah. he's as, like- he, as he is. He was about to go on tour with a bunch of people, and the woman he had gotten, excuse me, the per- I don't know what an asshole thing to say. I apologize. The person he had gotten to go and do the, uh, the, the share part of his performance at the time mm. was Chaz Bono. Who oh was, really? Who, who was who went who's who at the time had a different name, which I won't say because again I'm not a piece of shit. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so Chaz Bono, a much younger Chaz Bono, was going to go on tour with Sonny and handle the share parts. Wow, that's weird. That's it's very weird. fucking weird. It's in the it's in the interview if you watch it um, from yeah. Letterman. But they went and yes, I think that Sonny always knew that Cher was way 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 the fuck out of his league. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know, getting a chance to do the song with her again, it's weird because it's so awkward, and yet there is a point in which they hold hands, and no matter how much they may hate each other, and my suspicion is a lot, mm-hmm. there is an unending, infinite bit of camaraderie because they had to go through things together that comes yeah. through, and that is actually. All jokes aside, the real reason why I picked the song. I was on the fence until I watched the two of them singing on Letterman, and I was like, nothing is ever going to top this. This is just so, and I hate to use the word because it feels so disingenuous, but real. It's sincere. It's, I, I, you know, I'm not going to, you're not going to convince me that I Got You Babe is a great song or anything I'd want to hear, but it's, there's a a sincerity to it. Yeah, like when he wrote that, that was legit. Like there is no... If I wrote a song for Cher, I would have meant it too. You know, <laughs> if I wrote a Cher song for Cher today, yeah. again, I mean, like Cher is singular. You know, there's a there's very few people whom st- you only need to hear one name and you know who you're talking about. Yeah. You know, thou, thou shalt have no other shares before her. Um, she is a true, legit legend who will live long, long, long after she's gone. Like no one will ever forget Cher. It seems impossible to me. So anyway. That is why, in the end, I think I I just kind of landed on that. But uh, that's let's, fair. let's let us hear what the uh, do and do the questions. Yeah, do the questions first. Okay, we ask three questions at the end of every episode. Kind of mm-hmm. circle the wagons, give us a real definitive sense of where we really stand. Mm-hmm. Question number one: One and only one of these songs can continue to persist in the mind of man. The rest uh, must be forgotten and never remembered again. If only one song can be remembered for all time, what is the song that has to, has to be remembered? Whew. Man, I don't know if I have an answer for this. Like, part of me says, like, I'm a believer. Is the, you know, great classic stands up to the test of time. Everyone still loves it. It's that. But, like, I Got You, Babe feels, like, more important. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure where I land on this. I Got You, Babe. I'm just going to go with I Got You, Babe. I agree. I just, you know, I think that, like we were talking about the genuineness of the song, mm-hmm. it's, all, I mean, it really is that married with, uh, all getting aside, the effectiveness of it in Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day, which is arguably the greatest romantic comedy of all time. Mm-hmm. I think I have, if you had to sit down and say, what is a movie you have seen more than any other movie in your life. I think for me, Groundhog Day is in the top five at least. Mm-hmm. I have watched it genuinely hundreds of times, mm-hmm. and I could watch it today and feel exactly the same way I did as I felt, not time number one, because nothing beats the first, but mm-hmm. um, but certainly time number two and after. It's a perfect film, and... I've got you, babe. Plays a, a very quintessential role in it, and I actually don't know that it's that the song is bad, but that the song is what it needs to be. You know, it's a it's a funny thing. Um, I actually read uh, Tom Ewing of Stereo Gum does a review. He's doing going through all the number one songs and reviewing it, and he points out that I got you, babe, is great for Groundhog Day because it has to sell the idea that this song is annoying but actually not be annoying enough that the actual viewer will get sick of it while watching Groundhog Day. I always have felt that the... So for any Star Trek fan, if mm-hmm. you've watched all the Star Trek shows, you have a, a show that is a sticking point in your mind. It's called Enterprise. Because it 
is an outlier in the theme song department. Because mm-hmm. unlike the rest of those orchestral fuckers, this one's got a pop song in it. And there are, it's, it's I've Got Faith, Faith of the Heart is the song. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that if you watch the show from start to finish, and like Enterprise, which is, you know, if you watch any show start to finish, you you know, it's the Stockholm Syndrome of it. Eventually you're going to like it. Mm-hmm. But um, there are three phases, which is um, you first hear the song and you go, what? No, you you can't do it. That's against the rules. No. You get really mad. Like, people were so sore when that started. And then... As you go, you get to a point where, like, you start going, like, well, you know, it's 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 not it's all right, it's fine. And then by the time you've been watching the show for uh, many seasons, you go, cause I got faith. Like, you really go, like, that's it. Like, I would sing along to it by the time I was at season four. I uh, I have not w- ever watched Enterprise. I'm actually making my way through Voyager now. Are you sure it's not just that's the only part you like of the show? How dare you? <laughs> Oh, are you are you a defender? I am an enterprise defender. It is a thing that uh, that our own Allison Pregler and I uh, sometimes differ on. Um, I really have come to. I love all Star Trek. There is no Star Trek I don't love, um, which is I think what happens when you yeah. you just you get all the way in the tank for a thing after a while, and there's there is no part of Star Trek I can't find a thing to love. But uh, but yeah. So we're, my point we're, point we're is off topic, yes, yeah. we are. The point is um, I think that um, Phil Connors, played by Bill Murray, listening to this song over and over again, it's the same thing where it's like, song annoying, song fine. Like, I'm a little surprised that there isn't a point where on the last day he's like singing along when he wakes <laughs> up and like dancing around his little B&B, you know? Like, yeah. I think that's where he is by the end of it, and I think that makes sense. That's what makes the song work so well for the movie. All right. So that's question number one. Nailed, right. nailed it. Question mm-hmm. two. One and only one of these songs, can you witness Soup to Nuts, the entire progression from idea to final product? You get to see the whole gestation period, the whole thing. What is the song you have got to witness be created? Gosh, I'd really love to see the monkeys really pull this song together. <laughs> no, I mean, I, the joke is that they didn't. I know. Yeah, they, they did not perform on this show. But the monkeys were not really about music. They were about politics and social revolution or however that goes. About rebellion and political and social upheaval. I don't know. I, th- I think it actually is I'm a believer. Really? Just because, you know, there's... Because Neil Diamond? That scene sounds like a funny story about Mike Nesmith having to be shut out of... Uh, oh, yes, that is funny. The, that's the... That's a, um, to, to sort of lend a little extra explanation to what Todd's talking about, there is a point in which Nesmith was like the song sucks and they kicked him out like he was so negative he had to be barred from the studio that's funny however I cannot believe that you would go with that against the idea of Sonny Bono waking in the night Hmm. looking at Cher's frankly fucking angelic face Mm -hmm. and being like I gotta write a song about this oh on a Grecian urn but about chair and just and just coming up with I got you babe in the hokiest corniest way possible I live and die by that shit I what I wouldn't give that's that it's like when you really love somebody in a way that you know is corny and you know is hokey but you look at them and it doesn't matter yeah absolutely 100% to witness somebody else feel that emotion that I feel about Raven Mm -hmm. I'll take that any day of the week that's great Raven's in the other room right now with her headphones on, so she Raven can't is, hear Raven is, Raven is playing DCU, D, D, DC Online as I talk romantically about her. Um, but yeah, so yeah, for me, it's definitely that, just because it's it's a thing that's sort of a mirror back of the, the, the best of the hokey parts of the love that I feel for the person that I chose to spend the rest of my life with. Aww. Yeah, that's right. Okay, now, the, right. Most, the real fucking question. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Question number three. William Shatner, thespian, historian, hero amongst men, artist, musician. He can only do a Shatner version, which is, can only be done by him, for one of these two songs, and only one. Which song must be shat upon? You know, I don't feel like there's a wrong answer here. I would go with I Got You, Babe. The question is, who does he replace, Sonny or Cher? 
oh, this is really predicated on the notion that he can't do both. <laughs> He's, well, listen, here's what happens. This is a man who already wears a wig. <laughs> so he just has the one side where he's himself and then he keeps a really long black wig and he puts it on <laughs> occasionally and then when he's doing the share part he just he's got the wig on maybe the late Nimoy could be the other one oh that breaks my heart <laughs> that that we never got a chance to hear it that oh, build me a time machine podcast listeners <laughs> I would happily go back and make that happen that would be incredible as is well known the greatest Star Trek ship of all time is the Kirk Spock ship. It was, I mean, it's it's like the stuff of 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 a slash fiction legend. It's like the original, the OG slash is yeah. Kirk Spock. You did it anyway. I don't know how did you do it, Straight Boy. You did it. <laughs> all right, let's hear what the what our listeners had to say. All right, Noah Henderson writes definitive ranking of Eddie Murphy songs one. Boogie in Your Butt, two, his version of I'm a Believer from the end of Shrek, and then at number 600, Party All the Time. Is that? No, that's right. You did. Yeah. <laughs> that's absolutely correct. I, I have gone through the Eddie Murphy discography, and that sounds right to me. Yeah, no, 100%. All right. Um, Stephen Combs writes, This is a slaughter because I Got You, Babe, is a mediocre duet while I'm a Believer is a legitimately great song. Todd should apologize to Cher to putting her in this position to be humiliated. I have sinned against Cher. I guess you did. I didn't, I really wouldn't, you know, my perspective is so altered. Maybe I'm living in a parallel world where this is different, but uh, yeah, you should apologize. You know what? That's right. (laughs) Apologize to Cher. Do it now. (laughs) Say it. Okay. Omega Geek writes, and hi, Omega Geek, by the way. <laughs> hi, we, Omega Geek. We know Omega Geek in real life. Omega Geek writes, everyone understands the stupid happiness of crushing on someone who just lights up the world by existing, and everyone also hates that performative public baby-talking couple. So, yeah, I hate I Got You, Babe. How could you do this to me? <laughs> I thought we were friends. Omega's... No, it's, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Yes. All right. Azure Squirrel writes... Accuse me of not being able to separate the art from the artist, but whenever I hear I Got You, Babe, I can only think about how Sonny and Cher got divorced. Cheesy love songs just don't work when sung by a real-life couple unless said couple has been long deceased. Oh, see, and I see it exactly the opposite way. It's the enduring thing where it doesn't matter what happens afterwards. There is always the the perfect enduring moment wherein, like, it worked. It worked. You know, we all saw Cher's eulogy for Sonny. And uh, it was moving. It really was. Yes. If only one of us in this podcast understood what it was, what it was like to be in a relationship with someone who was always destined to be much more famous than the other, and 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 retained a genuine, long-lasting love and <laughs> respect for them. Okay. <laughs> so I'm sorry. All right. One last one. Andrew Detter writes. Believer has to win just for being able to be successful as a fake Beatles song that plays like the early Fab Four while coming from an entirely different genre. This is almost a Shat cover, and Neil Diamond is who Shatner thinks he is on his oh, good days. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, I don't know if I agree with the whole sentiment, but the last <laughs> sentence is spot on. Yeah, I I oh thought you'd God, like that Neil one. Diamond is <laughs> the William Shatner William Shatner thinks he is. That's yeah. amazing. That's a How is there not already a William Shatner album of Neil Diamond Nothing co- but Neil Diamond covers. Sweet Caroline. Da da da. <laughs> anyway. All right, so that's the end of it. All ready right, for it? To, to the victory goes to spoilers. We already know it's going to go, but how bad did it go? That's it. Well, what's your guess? My guess is that it's going to be uh, a 70/30 split. All right, for a total of 551 to 89, that's an 86% to 14 split. That's brutal and undeserved. And that's, I'm a believer, and quite honestly, yeah, that sounds right to me. (laughs) Well, you're all wrong. All right. Take it from this guy with a fraction of the Twitter followers. (laughs) Follow me on Twitter. Well, speaking of. Yes. if If you like this podcast... You can follow the both of us, me at Shadow Todd with two Ds. Oh, yeah, and me at uh, Danny Ordinary. That's uh, Danny with one N, Ordinary also with one N. And also you can follow the podcast at Song Verse Song. 
pod. That's right, and you can support us on Patreon. If you donate a dollar, you get to hear our bonus episode. We pick those at the... Uh, we haven't picked it yet, but if you donate a dollar, you get to vote on what we pick to uh, review. Some movie, music movie, usually. Sometimes a TV show. Yep. And also, by, by the way, sidebar, maybe we should uh, we should have a side... But we keep talking about like what the side piece is going to be. Mm-hmm. And we, at one point, I think we said like Cop Rock or Glee, but maybe, uh, maybe we'll... <laughs> We'll do the monkeys. If the boomers come out of the woodwork and are like, do a side podcast about the monkeys and we'll pay you a lot of money, we'll do it. But uh, but if you want to pay $5, you can actually suggest. Uh, we may we may bump that up, actually. Like, we got $5 is, like, overloaded. Oh, shit. All right. If you pay $10 million, no, whatever. <laughs> it's up to Todd. But yeah. we will have, there is a secondary uh, option available where if you really want to weigh in and say this is a movie you have to watch that people will vote on then by all means uh and if you you know if you've got a little bit of scratch and keep in mind by the way you know uh, we're not sensitive people you could pay a pay a dollar for a month we've got a backlog of episodes and if you go like it's not worth it more than a dollar then just pay a dollar for a month and you've done it and we'll be grateful and you'll have gotten a whole bunch of free shit basically like you've gotten like i think there's like a dozen episodes you can get for a buck and no one here will care. So if you want to do that, you're certainly welcome to. If you pay a dollar and you want to keep going, or if you find yourself loving the podcast so much that you want to give more, by all means. But I think, honestly, at this point, I we can both agree that a dollar to get a backlog of a dozen-plus episodes is definitely worth it. Yep. So, ready to know what we're doing next? Oh, God. Yeah. Sure. Sure. All right. No more pop stuff. We're going to the best hard rock songs of 1980. Are you ready? Are you ready no, for no, it? No, I never am. All right. What is it? We're going to do ACDC's Back in Black versus Ozzy Osbourne's Crazy Train. Ah, <laughs> no, no, you can't do that to me. 1980, good year for oh metal. My gosh. <laughs> I, 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 I can't take it. All right. Um, we will see you next episode. Make sure you go and vote in that poll. It's going to be a nail biter. Or a, I guess a bathead biter. <laughs> oh, shit. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>